0: it's time to sit back and enjoy
1: The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast
0: Hang on a minute. Who put you in charge? And who
2: the hell are you anyway? I'm the Doctor. I'm a Time Lord. I'm from the planet Gallifrey in the constellation of Casterburys. I'm 903 years old and I'm the man who's going to save your lives and all 6 billion people on the planet
3: below.
4: No problem with that. No. In that case, I do oh,
0: no. Would you like a jelly baby?
4: My Sarah Jane. Wobbly-wobbly, Oi, watch
3: it, spaceman
2: Oi, watch it, Earth Girl! I will teach you
0: the folly
4: of your words, Doctor! Uh, Smith. Dr John Smith.
3: And this is Duggan. He's a detective who's been kind enough to catch me.
2: You always were an optimist, weren't you?
4: Thank you for the compliment. I really go. Hello. Mate, in six moves, master. You! You! you!
2: Hello and welcome everyone to another episode of Who True Freaks. This is either number episode number nine or ten, depending upon, you know, whether or not I got that other episode out. Hi, everyone. Thanks for listening. My name is Sean Ingle, and today at Who True Freaks, we're gonna be covering an early, very early episode of Doctor Who. In fact, one of the one of the first ones with William Hartnell. The episode is the Aztecs. And to follow me along on this journey into ancient sort of central american culture are my partners in crime at the who true freak site first off we've got i'll just go around the skype window mr dave walker from the uk host of flash legacies hello dave
3: hello sean
2: (laughs) (laughs) you i'm glad you pronounced the t in front of my name that's that's very nice following up in the skype window we've got the irredeemable one shag how are you doing
1: Just fine. Uh, Going forward, I'd like to be known as the Perfect Sacrifice. (laughs) Oh, Perfect Victim. Damn it, I blew it. Perfect Uh, Victim. Does that mean we get
0: to murder you?
1: Uh, Yes. Awesome. Until someone interferes.
0: (laughs) Nobody interfere,
2: okay? (laughs) Following up with that, we have my friend from the vault vault of startling monster horror tales of terror, Mr. Christopher hair metal hero Tyler. Hey, Chris.
5: Nobody's going to tell me who I
2: can marry. (laughs) (laughs) shut up susan um that's a universal axiom there by the way (laughs) uh coming in after that is the uh host of better in the dark uh the common co-host over at my other show just one of the guys and the author of shadow legion new roads to hell mr thomas dj
0: hi there sean you know i was uh this morning I woke up and I uh, made some hot chocolate, and I found myself engaged. <laughs>
1: Interesting.: Congratulations to the lucky whatever.
0: <coughs> oh Jesus. Wow. Remember, nobody interfere when I murder Shag, okay? <laughs> <laughs> <You won't.
2: laughs> done and done. And to round up this uh posse. I don't know of people we have uh, from back to the bins, the voice of two true freaks, Mr. Bill Robinson. How are you doing, Bill? Good. This is a false podcast and I <laughs> shall destroy her.
0: <laughs> What's with the big black stuff on your lips there? <laughs>
6: <laughs> a little too much.
2: The uh, makeup there. Yeah, someone got someone got a hold of the lip liner just a bit too much. But like I said, we're going to be covering the, uh, the Doctor Who serial, The Aztecs, and I will go ahead and jump right into the synopsis here. Uh, Doctor Who, The Aztecs was a four-part serial broadcast from May 23rd, 1964 until June 13th, 1964 in the UK. Unlike the other episodes with just one singular title, each individual episode had title, and those being The Temple of Evil, The Warriors of Death, The Bride of Sacrifice, and The Day of Darkness in sequential order. The serial was written by John Lucarotti, directed by John Crockett, produced by Verity Lambert and Mervyn, Mervyn Penfield. The cast included William Hartnell as the Doctor, Carol Ann Ford as Susan, Jacqueline Hill as Barbara, William Russell as Ian, Keith Pyatt as Otlock, John Ringham as Tizim, t- 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 I guess, okay, Ian Cullen as Ixta, Is that yes, that too, and Margaret Vandenberg as Kameka. Our story begins as the miniature TARDIS with actual flashing callbox light, get yours at thinky.com right now, disappears and reappears in a darkened tomb filled with Aztec artifacts. Susan and Barbara exit the TARDIS and give a brief history lesson on the culture, but then Barbara opens a secret door on the tomb, steps outside, and promptly gets captured by Aztec warriors who claim she was trespassing on sacred ground. Back inside the tomb, Susan has retrieved Ian and her grandfather, the Doctor get to that later, who open the door and step out, to only to have the door shut on them, keeping them from getting back inside the tortoise. However, they're treated to a more cordial welcome, as it seems that Otlock, the High Priest, believes that Barbara is the reincarnation of Yatoxa, one of their ancient gods, and that the Doctor and his companions are her servants. The trio meet up with a decked-out Barbara, who is all into the whole pretending to be a deity thing, which causes a bit of concern with the Doctor. If the Aztecs thinks that Barbara isn't Yatoxa, they could all end up on the Butcher Block as sacrificial offerings to the gods. This of course is the perfect time for the High Priest of Sacrifice to- to le, le. I'm just gonna call him Evil Robert Smith from now on to introduce himself and give Barbara the Skinny on the big celebration for the return of Yatoxa. The evil Robert Smiths ask Ian to train as their new leader for the Aztecs forces while allowing the Doctor to wander the gardens of the city and try to discover an alternate entrance to the tomb. In the garden, the Doctor is introduced to Kameka, a woman of great knowledge and breast, who he in- instantly turns his Gallifrey Mojo on to in order to find out more about the tomb. The Doctor's wooing session is broken up by Ian in Aztec chicken armor, who tells the Doctor of the impending sacrifice which Barbara is to preside over. The doctor rushes to the temple to convince Barbara to go through with the ceremony, but the godhood has gone to her head and she plans on forbidding the sacrifice from occurring. This goes about as well as you would expect, with the sacrifice killing himself anyway, though the reign which he was supposed to be an offering for begins, and evil Robert Smith loses his faith in Yatox's divinity. With Barbara's fuck up pretty much putting the shaft all of her friends, <laughs> a series of attempts to kill Ian by poisoning him and having a fight with bladed cricket bats. Uh, Susan getting taken to learn the ways of good Aztec women so she could get married to another sacrificee, and the doctor used his mad pimp skills to charge... to charm Cameca into helping him find a way into the tomb. Little did the doctor know, but in his efforts to court Cameca, he ended up engaged to her, something which pleases the aging Aztec but worries the doctor. And as all of this was going on, evil Robert Smith was being particularly evil, trying to poison Barbara, rigging Ian's fight, and eventually getting Barbara to admit that she truly isn't a god. Things were looking grim, as evil Robert Smith hopes to expose Barbara on the day of the eclipse, but but fortunately for the crew, Ian has found a way back into the temple. But before they leave, Barbara convinces Otlock to rethink his ways... Ian kills Ixta in a really poorly staged fight sequence, and the Doctor says a saddened goodbye to his betrothed Kameka. With the sacrifice occurring, history takes its predestined course, and the Doctor tells Barbara that by helping Otwok find a better belief system, that she did do some amount of good, despite almost completely screwing the crew. As the companions enter the TARDIS, the Doctor pauses and returns to the tomb to retrieve the brooch that was given to him by Kameka as a symbol of their love. And that ends one of the early episodes of Doctor Who, the Aztecs. Uh, what do you guys have to th- say about this one? The All right, I'll jump Mexican? in here. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Go ahead, Chris.
5: I was going to say, the High Priest of Sacrifice, I heard clitoxyl, which sounds like a really <laughs> intense post-coitus cream If for you women. take
0: clitoxyl and you have an erection that lasts more than four <laughs> hours, please alert your doctor.
2: Yes. Uh, I'm surprised that it hasn't been turned into a, a, a sexual potency cream. That would work, I guess. Yeah, this was this was kind of weird. This, well, I guess when they started out with uh, Doctor Who, they actually wanted to make it sort of an educational show. Is that kind of what I'm getting from this? Absolutely. Yeah, it was Absolutely. originally
0: commissioned by, um, BBC, by the BBC as part of the children's programming. I think Somewhere in the, towards the end of its run, uh, its classic run, they eventually moved it to series department as opposed to children's department. Is that right, Shaq?
1: I don't know exactly when it switched departments, but, it, but the formula as far as being educational, uh, where you get episodes like this that were what they called purely historical, those were kind of mm-hmm. how they labeled them, those episodes pretty much petered out throughout William Hartnell's run, and by the time Patrick Troughton came on, you got the Highlanders, and that was pretty much it. You only got one more. Uh, Until I in Black
0: the Black Orchid.
1: Exactly, in the Peter Davison era. But that was just kind of a, which is an excellent episode, by the way. But it's yep. just sort of a, you know, it was more of a nod than anything else. So, yeah, they were trying to make it educational through the Hartnell era. And then they realized there's a lot of money to be made in these talking pepper pots. And so <laughs> they ditched it all, and starting with uh, Patrick, uh, Patrick Trotton and just went forward from there. Yeah, so, because, I, yeah, I don't know when it left the, the children's department. I don't know that part. I know yeah, because, it was
0: there for a very long time. I mean, even even when we were dealing with uh, John Pertwee running around and uh, being John Steed to whoever's Emma Peel, it, it was still a ch- considered a children's series.
2: Well, it was. It just wasn't educational anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Because when this show started out, like the first five, ten minutes of the show are Barbara and Susan talking about you know basically just dropping facts about the aztecs you know mm-hmm. oh do you remember that they used to do sacrifice? oh do you know that in 15 something something that, that you know cortez found them or whatever i don't care cuz i don't care about history but yeah <laughs> it was a big it was nice. a big info dump and that's really different than what we've seen you know if you've only been watching modern episodes of doctor who so it's a it's a bit of a change uh, you know from from whence it came I guess. Yeah, I mean,
1: Hartnell visited with Marco Polo. He uh, he was there for the Crusades. They were there for the Trojan Horse. I mean, they they'd been through a, lo- a lot. of He different burnt episodes. down Rome. Yeah. So he, yeah, he he went to a lot of different important historical points in history to, to teach kids. You know, I think it was I think it was a neat idea. It just um, it's not something that I know that would capture kids, fuel kids' imagination nowadays. Unfortunately, oh, definitely
2: no. not. Uh, let's go ahead and we'll go ahead and talk about the characters. Starting off with the Doctor. Um, this is, you know, I don't know if this were the original, or if this were the Doctor today, if this would be, or if this were the Doctor that were introduced to the modern times in the Christopher Eccleston era, whether or not Doctor Who would be as popular as he is now, because this Doctor is a, a, a vastly different, and at sometimes kind of, Kind of unlikable at times, you know. Uh, what are you guys' <laughs> I, thoughts about uh, this iteration of the Doctor?
5: I, dug I, I it. will. Sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, this is the my first time outside of seeing clips of of Hartnell actually watching something, and uh, I liked him because he was kind of a grump, and uh, that plays well with me. I, when you look at like those earliest uh, the the serials that are uh,
0: stored in uh, Doctor Who: The Beginnings box set, he's downright sinister. <laughs> there, and this is what I like about Hartnell is that he's kind oh. of almost you, you almost think in those earliest episodes that Ian and Barbara are looking over their shoulder <laughs> because uh, they're not sure what to make of this this rather you know, nasty old man. And even when they, they they softened him up about around season three, there's still something kind of wrong with him. I think part of it has to do with the illness. He suffers from what we now know is... Uh, Hartnell suffered from what we now know has uh, early-onset dementia. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was kind of difficult to work with. and Ford talks about this. And I think that sort of... Difficulty translates kind of well onto the onto the the series itself, making him some of a, a weird sort of wild card in this story.
6: Well, this was my first uh, time seeing a full Hartnell feature, so um, uh, and I was just mulling over what what Thomas said because I, I've known people with dementia, and I do kind of see that now. That well, I mean, obviously in his character, and I guess. Now I'm going to go back and try to see some more Hartnell um, shows to, to try to pick that up. Uh, I actually like this Doctor, um, even though this is my first time around. I, I mean, I had kind of written him off um, and because I really haven't gone that far back uh, past John Pertry. But I think I'm going to rethink that decision and take a look.
3: Yeah, I mean, I've been watching a few of these episodes with my dad, and we've been enjoying them. Uh, this is basically where we're up to so far, um, and yeah, he's dark and sinister, but I like him. You, like you say, you never know really what he's gonna do, whether or not it's gonna be his uh, for his own ends or to kind of help out everyone. But
2: well, uh, I think I think the show also. I don't know whether it benefits or whether it's a problem with it uh, from the fact that they really didn't know exactly the direction that they wanted to go for this. I think starting off as it being an educational show, I don't think they had the doctor as a character defined. And as we see with the character of Susan, we uh, get the idea that doctor is actually a grandfather. Mm. Uh, Now, (sighs) Again, this is one of the few uh, Hartnell episodes that I've seen as well. So what's up with Susan? Let's go into her a, bit, a little bit.
1: Well, real quick, I'll, I'll give my quick impression on, on Hartnell, too. All right. Um, go ahead. He, he, everyone described him quite, quite well. Explosive, unpredictable, crotchety. The funny part for me, though, is that I thought he was really, really mild in this episode. Compared mm-hmm. to other episodes, so would you guys say he's mean? I'm thinking he's downright cheerful in this one compared to other ones where he's yelling, "Justice!" You know, because and all he's things.
0: getting some.
1: Could be, yeah, could very well be. So I, I, in this one, I found him to be quite agreeable and nice, whereas normally he's a total dick. Uh, I like <laughs> Hartnell for that reason in that he is completely unpredictable. He's your, he's your, like your angry teacher that you never know what you're going to get when you go into school one day. And you're like, man, is he going to be a nut job or is he going to be nice? You don't know. And I like Hartnell for that reason. I have, in general, I have a hard time watching a full run of a Hartnell episode. I tend, a uh, story from beginning to end. Like, I can watch episodes, but if I watch the whole story, I tend to fall asleep. I always have for the last 30 years. Uh, this, this, this was no exception when I tried to watch episodes two through four in one sitting. But uh, I love him as a character so much. Uh, to answer your question about Susan, uh, as far as we know, she straight up is his granddaughter. There's been all kinds of theories In um, Expanded Universe, they've tried to reason it away 17 different ways. The fact is, we don't know anything more than she traveled with him from the beginning. He calls her her granddaughter. She calls him his grandfather. Every so often, make a reference to her as as his granddaughter. And as far as I'm concerned, that's all I need to know. I'm happy with that.
2: Well, maybe we can go with the whole uh, dementia thing. It was just the doctor being insane. And, you know, he just found this random girl and said, oh, you're my granddaughter. Well, what <laughs> always
0: like, fascinates me is nobody really, I'm, I'm sure it's been speculated on in the Expanded Universe, nobody speculates on the, the generation in between.
1: Oh, they do. There's all these theories about how her father died in a Time Lord war against the great vampires and all this different stuff. Hmm. Okay, there's, there's, yeah, but, yeah, they never say anything in the show, though, you're right, about his 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 daughter or son, yeah.
3: Okay, the closest what we get is the line from uh, the Empty Child, where uh, Doctor Constantine mentions about being a father and a grandfather, and he says he knows the feeling. That's the only place I've seen it.
2: Mm-hmm. Oh, that's right. That was a good. I forgot about that. That was a good mention. Yeah, that that is true. Yeah, and uh, we we actually yeah I remember us talking about that slightly when we covered that. Um, now Barbara and Ian, they're both teachers right mm-hmm. or am i yep.
3: thinking
2: mm-hmm. uh, they
1: there, were susan's teachers
3: okay so they were they...
1: they were they were kidnapped by the doctor
3: <laughs> and they were actually interested in her well-being
2: yes so the doctor these aren't like official companions they were actually taken under dress.
1: Mm-hmm. correct well, they're official companions because they hung around for yeah. years, but they, uh, yeah, they didn't come on board and go, let's go exploring. He said, you've seen my ship. Let's go. <laughs> oh, let's go, he, see the, let's go see the, the caveman. Whole,
0: throughout the whole first season, he throws it in their face that you're stowaways. Right. And he kidnapped <laughs> them.
1: At one point, he even
0: threatens to throw Ian off the harness into the time stream. <laughs>
6: <laughs> wow. Mispronouncing his name the hallway,
1: right? <laughs> yeah, that's another hallmark. Is he says uh, Chesterton's name wrong all the time? Okay, it's funny.
2: See, see that's just that was probably I more going... bi- that
1: was probably more Billy Hartnell than the script, though. <laughs> right?
0: Okay. I mean, we're not at
1: the. Uh, uh, you might know this more than I better
0: than I do, say, We're not at the point yet where they had to like put little cue cards all around the floor of the set so that. Hartnell could keep his lines straight, are we?
1: I don't know. If, I don't know what point that started. I don't actually know the history as thoroughly as you do. In this case, I don't think, but I do know that he was even. I think even before the Dimension, though, he was famous for blowing his lines. Right. And what he would do is he would either do like the stuttering thing he would do, mm-hmm. or he'd act like he's angry all of a sudden, explosively, <laughs> and just to cover it. And he would do this just so that the filming could keep going. Right. And uh, it, it worked its way and became part of the character eventually. so lovable
2: i did notice and i i gave it i gave it a pass because this is early 1960s filmmaking and maybe you know redoing shots and everything is probably you know not in the you know not in the budget of doing this but Mm -hmm. there are a lot of shots in there where people were walking over each other's lines and such so i could see you know if if hartnell was having a problem with uh Remembering his lines or delivering them, that they they just kept going with it rather than trying to do another take or anything like that. Um, what do you guys think about the Aztec characters in this?
5: Uh, they were the... swarthy. <laughs>
1: Dude, the... they had wizard hats. I'm, I'm just gonna put it out there: the the priest of sacrifice. <laughs> <laughs> he no, he stole the show, guys. Oh yeah, it was like one of the best Doctor Who characters to come out of the Hartnell era ever. He was awesome. And that makeup you're joking about with the whoever clearly had Parkinson's to put the the lipstick on um,
0: the the, the proto Joker look.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Don't, I mean, that's probably based on a realistic thing. It looks so cool. I was like, man, that's innovative. That's cool. Anyway, I love that character.
2: He's it, stole it, the show. It definitely did make him stand out, at least by his look. But yes, he was the epitome of a sort of uh, serialized villain, you know, just yeah. moving towards the camera and evilly, you know, cackling and sort of twisting his hands together. On, I'm going to kill the doctor and all this. It was just it was just he was a fun character to watch in the show. But uh, that, li- that, li- that lip
1: makeup, that lip makeup was his version of a uh, curled mustache.
3: Pretty (laughs) much. Yeah, he he basically wins at the end. He becomes the main guy in charge. Mm -hmm. And there's no one really there to stand against him.
0: That's
1: a good (laughs) observation. Mm -hmm. Yep.
0: Well, that that, that ties into the point of the whole episode, which is that Hmm. you can't mess around with other people's beliefs.
3: But that's the thing. Did they mess around? Did, by taking Otlock out of the situation, is that what actually caused the downfall in the first place? It
1: could be, because, yeah, because the bad guys... I didn't even think about that. The bad guy's in charge now, and he's all about the sacrifice, so he could ramp it up to the point where they mentioned those 10,000 people murdered. I bet, yeah, that may be something that I just didn't pick up on. Maybe he, they are part of the reason the Aztecs fell.
6: <laughs> well, they did say that, so, that Otlock was the only one that was basically... Yeah. Uh, willing to change, whereas the rest of them the rest of the rest of the society was going to keep going the way they had been going. So I'm not trying to shoot you down, Dave. I just no, no. Well
1: Well this but is Otlock wandered Otlock wandered off in the woods though. He's gone. So that's what right. they're saying is that because they convinced Otlock to leave But no, I don't
6: think Otlock would have changed all their minds anyway. They were too they were already down that path that they weren't going to change. One one man cannot make a difference. <laughs> Even if he's Whoa.
2: driving a car. Whoa.
5: What? Who are you? What is this? It's the way it had to be. <laughs>
6: I'm X D extra Jim Carrey from Dumb and Dumber.
5: <laughs> nice. Oh, God.
6: I saw one of the shots towards the end, I went, Oh, my God, it's Jim Carrey. Oh. <laughs> when he smiles, when he finally gets these. You know, one of the times he's one of the many times he's tried to kill Ian, and this time he thinks he's really going to do it. it's like he just chipped his tooth. <laughs> it's like watching Spy versus Spy between the two of them. <laughs> <Jeez>. <laughs>
2: uh, speaking of Spy versus Spy, let's talk about the let's talk about the fights between Ian and Ixta. Oh boy! Holy cow! Uh, was you know, slow
6: motion. It, that was that was slow motion for the BBC. Uh huh. <laughs> <laughs> Now I'll swing like this. And
0: you can tell
2: that they just picked up cricket bats and put little blades on the edge of it, and uh, I I doubt that that's traditional, you know, Aztec fighting combat gear. But
0: it, it's close enough. Uh,
2: it, it, it,
6: would, it, it would for government work, really.
2: It would probably I make guess.
6: cricket more interesting
5: <laughs> <laughs> well, and faster to play.
6: Game. Oh
2: yeah!
0: If <laughs> you could kill a bowler. Hey. <laughs>
3: <laughs> and, okay. I don't I don't think other, other, than were, other than the
1: fights, other than the fights terrible. Yeah, I don't think we have anything to really add to that, do we? <laughs>
3: well, <laughs> did Ian learn the Vulcan de- uh, nerf pinch. <laughs> yeah, how do you yeah. take somebody yeah, down with was... his thumb? What did he did, just jam it right.
2: in his artery. <laughs> uh, <oof. laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, there, and and was Ian because Ian took to the whole you know warrior thing pretty quickly. I mean, if he was supposed to be a uh, an educator or a teacher—that's a pretty good uh, switch from from that role to, uh, you know, leader of the Aztecs armies, Aztec so. g- armies. Well,
1: so- somewhere in there, they <laughs> mentioned he had had some military training. Yeah.
6: Okay. Oh, and I thought maybe he was, gym, that- he was a gym teacher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean,
0: keep in mind he was there to do all the action, punchy, punchy, run, run stuff.
3: True. that's
2: True.
0: So it makes sense that he becomes, you know, Aztec chicken general.
2: <laughs> that was finger licking good. <laughs> Something that was ridiculous. you have to ask Barbara about Costume. that. Oh. <laughs> Whoa! Oh. All right then. Well, now that we're moving on to the uh, uncomfortable relationship stuff, let's talk a little bit about uh, the doctor and Kameka. I know, I know, you wanted to kind of touch on this, Thomas. Uh, the oh. sort of relationship between them.
0: Can we call it back K- then? Doctor who was a pimp.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say, can we call her Proto Grace? Maybe or something? <laughs> ah, yep. <laughs> so what? So here's the question for you, Thomas. Was the romance legit or not?
0: Watching it now, I gotta say, I think that there it, there was definitely reciprocated feelings there. I mean, it's obvious that that, that the Doctor is using Kameka but i do think that there was an admiration for her intelligence uh, and uh, i think that she did have some sort of desires for her
2: i think I th- that we can I think take you're right. from i think that we can take from the ending sequence where the doctor you know as he's leaving in the tardis that he goes back to the temple to get the uh, the brooch or the sort of uh, the pin that you know symbolized their love and he pocketed that before he left, kind of makes you feel that, yes, he had more emotions and more feeling for Kameika than just using her to try and figure out how to get into the temple. And I thought that was actually one of the things that endeared the character to me. I think that endeared the doctor to me. I mean, yes, he was kind of gruff with the rest of the companions, but uh, at this one moment, he met someone who he could he could relate to and he could feel that was on some level his equal and he had genuine emotions for her so yeah that's kind of what i got from that last scene
6: and he could hang hang out in that nice retirement guard
2: uh,
6: home for those over 52 like 52 oh man i gotta i gotta become an aztec
2: (laughs) well the aztecs had better retirement plans and they they invested better (laughs)
6: Re- <laughs> retirement or sacrifice hmm. human
2: hearts that's where
0: the future of the world is <laughs> <laughs> right. uh. well, obviously
6: they were the greatest meteorologists of, uh, of their time it's going to yeah. rain at four o'clock this afternoon oh come on all right i'll i'll yeah. give you the sun you know the mayan calendar but you know oh hey it's gonna rain and at that time you're going to come out with your sacrifice and we're gonna do this and i'm gonna do that and Get that stupid perfect victim up here because he's just fabulous. He <laughs>
1: totally was.
0: I want, I, want this, I want the strange alien-looking child for my bride.
6: <laughs> Someone comb my hair. I, you do anything I say. Ha, put Ian, put on a mask like a chicken.
0: <laughs> if you ask me, Carol Ann Ford is more alien-looking than William Hartnell.
1: <laughs> she got a big head. But here's the nice thing about about Susan. Um, she wasn't in much of this story, so <laughs> that's kind of the, That's where that nice thing ends. She turns out the actress took a vacation in the middle of filming, mm-hmm. and so she wasn't around for much. Which again, if you've seen many, hard could hire her cousins. You should be thankful that she wasn't mm-hmm. in in many of them.
0: I think yeah, it's because... very telling that at the end of the of uh, the Dalek invasion of Earth, he just dumps her on a planet, saying, "Okay, go marry this guy." I know. Maybe
1: I'll come back one day. <laughs> Get off my ship! <laughs> all right. Was it just me, or like for the first time ever, I noticed that the actress who plays Barbara Wright, she's kind of pretty.
6: Well, yeah. we do know that power goes to her head quickly, though. True. Well, I'm a goddess. That all
3: women.
5: Nah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad Hope's not here.
3: It's okay. By oh, the next episode, she's over it. Apparently,
5: <laughs> completely.
3: <laughs>
2: Mm, Yeah, uh, I'll give you, you know, she she was attractive. I mean, in a very she was, uh, but, you know, when you compare her to the other women in the show, you've got Kameka, the elderly lady that the doctor is trying to score with, and Susan, who she's just, I don't know, she sort of epitomizes that sort of wacky, zany, 60s you know, you know, go-go dancer feel. I don't know. I just couldn't get into Susan's character.
1: Well, she was supposed to be a fifteen-year-old. It's just the only reason I'm kind of bringing this up is because like no one's really ever stood up and said that the actress who played uh, Barbara's pretty. It's just, even even the novelizations were like trying to be as nice as possible. They always <laughs> described her as having a striking beauty, rather than they talk about the other companions being gorgeous and luscious. They she was striking was the so, word they would use. See, and. I uh, I, I don't just noticed she, this time for the first time. I'm like, she, maybe it's because I'm getting older. I'm
2: like she's kind of pretty, and I'm shallow. So. No, I don't think I don't think you're shallow. I think it's I, I think she does have uh, a sort of grace and beauty to her, but she's not that sort of sexualized beauty. I guess she, right. She's, she's not, not a hottie on hottie. Yeah, she's not. Yeah, she's not a hottie. You know, she's just it, it, she's not very a attractive.
0: boom boom. Yes, that's true.
3: Yeah, they don't have her running around in a schoolgirl outfit or animal skins.
2: Oh yes. If she yeah, I don't think she'd be getting the same praise if she was dressed around in, in the Leela costume. Uh, Agreed. Nothing is better than her running around in Leela. It's like uh, Caroline Ex- Ford. E-
6: except having a rat fall on her.
2: Oh, that's true.
6: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: what about Caroline Ford? Ford? Getting back back to she was chosen by the very young Verdi. And Verdi Lambert was about what? About twenty-five, I think. She was very young to be a producer at the BBC at this time. Uh, she was chosen specifically because she lo- she was attractive but very very odd looking. He says in air quotes. Hmm. And okay. uh, it, it kind of shows because, like I said, of all the of of between her and the Doctor, she's the one that looks like she's from another planet. She looks very strange.
6: I'm just saying.
3: Well, it makes sense if that's what they're kill. going for.
6: Although she did have an a, a astute observation that was so shocking when I heard it, I, I had to back it up and watch again. When the first thing she says is, the Aztecs, they were Mexicans. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Did That's she a really Joe-worthy that? statement. I'm just like, whoa, back that up. I'm, oh, okay, all right. They were in what is present-day Mexico, but to just blurt out they're
2: Mexicans, I'm like, what? <sighs>
1: uh, Ugh. 1960s education <laughs> for kids, right there.
2: They would have been they would have been great at roofing and you know making a menudo. So yeah. That oh, oh
1: my <laughs> lord! <laughs> and there oh, yeah. goes our Central American listeners. Way to go, North
3: Sean's
5: secret shame is that he's part Mexican.
2: Uh, it is, and uh, the other part Polish. So there you go. <laughs> I I have the worst genetics ever.
5: No, you no um, don't. <laughs> all
1: right, let's – uh
2: part I want to really
1: get to. Go ahead. Is the arguing about changing
2: history. Yes. Hmm. Yeah. That, the, yeah, this is pretty much central in what we'll get in uh, modern-day episodes of Doctor Who is that there are these, quote-unquote, fixed points in time that can't be uh, changed. And this was, I guess, one of the earlier sort of – Ideas of that being put forth, would you
1: say? I believe it's the first time it really became an issue.
2: Okay. Um,
1: I I, I, I don't know for sure that it was the absolute first time, but it's certainly the first time it was a major, major plot point
3: Mm
1: -hmm. when he's yelling at her about, you know, you can't change history, you can't rewrite history, not one line. And this became, obviously, as you said, a theme through a number of episodes. And so it's nice to see here that unlike when you get into, you know, other Doctor Who down in New Who, where they say, you can't change history, and then they do. Uh, it's <laughs> nice to see they say, you can't change history,
2: and they don't.
1: I like well, that. Well, and
2: even though... Uh, I, I like the fact that even though they did make an attempt to change history, that in the end, everything sort of worked its way out. Yep. You know, despite despite all the the trials that uh, that Barbara tried to make things better in her own mind, eventually history... Did work its way out and I don't know whether that would be because that they tried to uh, rectify the situation or whether or not, you know, time just tends to flow that way and the doctors uh, not really ineffectual, but just can't do anything to make that change. So anyone else uh, ideas on that? Well, I can give mine already. (laughs) All right. Well, I have
1: more to follow up on it, then. I didn't want to Please. monopolize, but I will. I Please do. So, the Doctor says to Barbara... Well, by the way, the, the argument between the Doctor and Barbara in Episode uh, 2 about the time changing was just great. I mean, that scene was mm-hmm. very passionate. I really felt the energy of them being pissed off at each other. I thought that was, like, one of the better scenes in the whole thing. But in the in later episode, when the Doctor gives the poison thorn to Ixnituchni River guy, whatever... Um, to fight Ian with, isn't he sort of changing history right there? Because he's like, "Oh, you need to win this fight, and I need those maps. Here's a poison little dart thing, so you can win and be captain." Sure, it's like, didn't the doctor think I might be changing history by doing this?
5: Yeah, well, if they never went back in the past, then he would never have had to fight him. So, I think well, that kind of works out. But, but he didn't know Ian was the guy he was fighting.
3: Oh yeah, that's right.
0: What he. But I can change history as long as
1: it serves my own ends. Right.
3: <laughs> it's, it's okay. He's the guy that invented uh, transparent aluminum.
1: No, this is the guy that invented earthquake proof bricks. Remember? This is Gareth's ancestor.
3: Oh, yeah, him.
1: Gareth Mc,
2: uh, earthquake Stein. <laughs> McEarthquake, Gareth
3: McEarthquake Stopper.
2: That's it, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, if only Steven were here, he'd, he'd know who he was. But yeah, you you make a good point. The fact that the Doctor could make... Well, maybe it's just a conceit of the Time Lords, that the Time Lords feel that they can actually change time because they're able to transcend and travel through it. Maybe that's just a conceit of their race, but it would be... it's
0: the irony of the Doctor condescending to one of his two kidnapped companions, although he always treated Barbara better than Ian. He always had much more respect. <laughs> Am I right, Shaq? Oh, you're absolutely
1: right. It's just, he, it was he so has, mean to Ian.
0: <laughs> um, he condescendingly tells Barbara, "No, as if to a child, no, you can't change history. History has to stay the way it is. And yet, because it serves his own ends, namely getting into the thing so he can get the hell out of here, he doesn't mind doing a little bit of nudging history here and there. Mm-hmm bastard (laughs) but that's why we love him
3: but when he does find out it's ian who's in trouble he does rush to help yes so not complete bastard
6: which by distracting him pretty much causes him to be scratched don't get scratched (laughs) oh it's too
3: (laughs) late (laughs) stop pointing out problems he he was trying to help
1: (laughs) That's a good point. He did. He got, it was his fault. Ian, what scratch?
6: Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> no, missed it by that much.
2: Oh <laughs> uh, poor Ian. But uh
0: I mean, to be fair, their the relationship softens quite a bit in like I think it's like the, their last two seasons. But even then, it's like. It, it's like you get the expect. If he ever had the opportunity, he would kick Ian off and keep Barbara on the ship.
1: I mean, it says something that the doctor treats Mickey better than he does Ian sometimes. <laughs>
6: <laughs> oh. Well, he well, he was upset when he thought that Ian was going to drown in the tunnel, although
1: he probably he still needed him to get to the... Uh... Right. Yeah, he needed <laughs> his strength.
3: Yeah. To get to the needed his torch back.
1: By the way, how yeah. great was that cliffhanger? That was so good. Oh yeah, I thought that as far as like old school. I mean, if you haven't seen a lot of, them, maybe you don't, maybe. You don't. But you compare that cliffhanger to the other ones, which were more traditional hangover hang, hang mm-hmm. cliffhangers. This one was really really good. I was like, that's awesome.
6: Hangovers, the Aztec hangover. You know.
2: Right, that's yeah. what I said.
6: <laughs> you wake up with.
2: <laughs> <revenge>. <laughs> you don't want to have that kind of hangover. Revenge.
6: Now, <laughs> you wake up the morning with Latoxel laying next to you, and you're like, oh my God, what did I do? <laughs> <laughs> then he starts was
1: singing, th-
5: Friday, I'm in love, and everything just...
1: <laughs> <laughs> what was That's in that thorn I got ice.
5: scratched with? Oh,
2: Lord. Uh,
5: <laughs> if you woke up next to Latoxel, would you have to then check your body for um, black paint marks? <laughs>
2: yes. <laughs> look to see if your groin was covered with you know a black strip of paint oh Uh, no (laughs) i went there um i wanted to ask you shag now the early episodes of this i noticed this is one of the first episode where each individual episode was uh, labeled with uh, its own title had its own title was that pretty much common for these early episodes rather than having you know one title for the entire series Yeah, I didn't want to
1: correct you earlier when you said it, but yeah, unless I'm mistaken, I'm pretty much sure up until the end of the Hartnell area, every single episode had its own name. That's
0: correct.
2: Even starting with
1: Unearthly Child to 1,000 or 1,000,000 BC, I mean, each one had its own individual title. I don't think this was one of the first ones. I think it was every time.
2: Okay. Yeah,
1: I'm looking at at my mm handy-dandy Doctor Who the Program guide, Total Geek Mm -hmm culture that everyone should have. Yeah, even if you go back to Unearthly Child, it was four episodes and, you know, the first episode was Unearthly Child, then The Cave of Skulls and The Forest of Fear and The Firemaker. So yeah, each each individual story had its own titles and that went on up until um, pretty much uh, looks like The Gunfighters was the last one, which by the way has a reputation for being one of the worst uh, American depictions in serialized television ever, but I haven't seen it.
0: Cool. But, which episode? but then again, that that that's kind of <laughs> What we're see, we are see in the Aztecs is a representation of a historical that actually works. By the time we get to the Romans and the gunfighters, they're, they're treated as jokes. They're treated for laughs.
1: Yeah. Well, gunfighters had that reputation for a long time, and then apparently when it resurfaced later, people were like, eh, it's not as bad as everyone says. I mean, it's not great, but...
2: Well, to be honest, when I first watched this, uh, I was kind of... Iffy on the depiction of the Aztecs, you know them being played all being played by white guys. In fact, white British guys. I thought that was a bit <laughs> <laughs> kind of you know they they could have maybe gone and looked for a people with uh, oh maybe a bit of Central American uh, flavor to them. But that I watch it again, I I really don't think that I really don't think it was that. Negative. I think they tried to do their best, and I think they were trying to be at least be somewhat respectful to the culture and try. It, it, it didn't it didn't offend me as much as I thought it would have. So I think they did a decent job at least depicting the idea of the right. Aztecs, even though they gave one guy Robert Smith lips. So it's it,
0: it not uh, in the context of, of the way television was going at that time in the early '60s. It's not really that offensive. It's not like, let's say, to shout back to a previous episode of ours, looking at uh Lee Sin Chang and the talents of Wang Chiang when there were lots of Asian you know you know actors in England mm-hmm. at the time you know, and going, Oh, we'll hire this white guy.
2: hmm Yeah. In fact, to, to to some extent I did feel that that was a bit more negative in the stereotypes than this uh, this one actually was uh, and granted they were trying to portray the time period where you know the Asian stereotypes were over the top you know in the show but uh, I think they pulled off a better less stereotypical uh, dealing with uh, different cultures here with the Aztecs so I thought it was
1: pretty well done yeah uh-huh. I, I
2: go
3: ahead I was just going to say, one of the first things they do mention is that a low sacrifice was a uh, part of their culture. They did have lots of good things about it as well. They don't say specifically what the good things are, I don't think. But they do bring that up as one at the start with Susan and Barbara talking.
2: (laughs) Yes, Yes, there there is is hot chocolate. chocolate. (laughs) Mm. (laughs) So, yeah. Do we have anything else on this? Because I thought this was a decent episode, but I know it's it's just I I don't I I enjoyed this. Does anyone else have anything specifically they want to talk about? I, I have an
5: observation and it's just a real quick one. The uh the medicine man there, Tanilla. I'll be goddamned if that's not the same actor that plays Charlie Bucket science teacher of Lee walk in the Chocolate Factory. It I maybe I'm completely hmm. wrong, but it just struck me. So I don't know. Check at your own risk, I guess. I just I want confirmation. <laughs> I need to know. Okay. Right now. Uh, well, it, it's
0: take
6: funny
5: If you watch, I, I, I'm one of these people. I
0: like to watch like the the making of documentary after I watch the the full serial. And seeing the, the the three or four the three or four guys who played the main Aztecs had you know in their old age, very white, just like oh yeah, that was really good. It was very not. It just it just cracked me up.
1: So they're all sitting around congratulating themselves.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. It was like I think it was actually I think it was like three of them because the, eh. one of the the fourth one had died.
4: Oh. They're sitting
0: and they're sitting in a garden, probably the garden of the, the retired Aztecs, just reminiscing, <laughs> and it's just so funny because
2: it's like need.
6: <laughs> well, well, for its time. I thought the production values... Now, looking at this episode on my computer, obviously those matte paintings in the background and some of the sets look, you know, eh, that's kind of hokey, but you just let it go. But if I'm thinking back to looking at this on an old black-and-white TV, that's going to look impressive. Oh, yeah. And and to pull that off, I I mean, you know, I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, What do you guys think?
3: Well, I didn't really... um no, there was too much wrong with it. I thought the same as you that it was really good. I did see a couple of bits where you could tell the backdrops were a bit iffy, but you probably wouldn't pick that up at all just watching it on regular TV and as it was only going to be shown once probably at this time. There were probably no plans to re-show anything. So, mm. I thought it was pretty good.
1: I-, I was impressed like like Dave was saying with um Just the fact that this is just going to be used once. The one map painting that really caught my attention the most, first of all, because it was obviously a map painting, and as Bill said, we're sitting here watching it with you crystal clear 1080 resolution versus, like you said, a 1963 black and white TV set. Was when they when the fight was going on on top of the temple, behind them was pretty much probably just a painted sheet. But the fact is, it was a perspective shot. It looked like you were looking Mm -hmm. down from the top of the temple. Uh, from oh, yeah. far up high, and I thought that was really well done to get a perspective shot like that. I was like, "Wow, that's a lot of attention to detail," and you could see the city laid out behind him. I'm like, "That's really, really, really good."
2: Yeah, but to I be think- honest, compared to you know, like some matte paintings that we'd see in later iterations of sci-fi shows, I'm looking at you, Star Trek. This this is really good stuff, and yeah, there was a lot of perspective in that in that uh, matte painting of the uh, Aztec city. So.
0: I mean, the two things we should keep in mind is that one, Doctor yeah. Who was a was a very low priority on the BBC calendar, so they got a budget of about basically whatever the executive board had in their uh, pants pocket that day.
5: <laughs>
0: and two, the BBC uh, production pro- department prided itself on being good at, at historicals.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: So, and you can see the difference between these historicals and some of the science fiction stuff that was done during the Hartnell era, that they really poured their heart and soul into making the best um, set design that they could given the constraints of their budget. And I think that this this matte painting is, is an example of that.
6: Well, maybe the matte painting was left over from the Latoxel documentary that they were... <laughs>
2: That's on the supplementary materials for the DVD release for the special edition.
6: Uh, Well, that's all I got.
1: Okay. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit about just some future continuity stuff. There are a lot of episodes, you know, will spin off a lot of adventures or you'll see characters again, you know, Jago and Lightfoot from Talons of Wang Chai and stuff like that. Not a lot came out of this one. The only real things worth mentioning was that. the doctor used the Aztec bracelet later on in, in a uh, audio drama to buy suits and hats for himself and Steven Taylor in an episode. And then apparently eventually he got it in his hands again, because in a different audio, uh, he gave it to Susan as a Christmas present, because he went back and found Susan. And uh, in fact, the eighth doctor developed a relationship with Susan years later, is, is sort of grandfatherly, and uh, he gave her the the bracelet as a present one time for Christmas. He
0: attached a string to the bracelet so that after he paid for it, he just yoinked it away.
1: Could be. Could be. So That's really it. There is no big, he goes back and fights Yatoxel again or any of that stuff.
0: <laughs> Yatoxel becomes like an ally of the Daleks. Or... Right. Oh, yeah, totally.
1: I could, oh, he would have been great with the Daleks, actually. <laughs> we will exterminate them. He would have been great.
6: I would have loved all. That all the daleks have little black face
1: makeup
2: on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, That'd, be great. He That'd be great.
1: <laughs> oh man, I want to see that now. Fanfic away, boys. So, <laughs> a couple just kind of general thoughts. I, as I mentioned, I have a hard time staying awake during the Hartnell episodes. I really do. It's I love them. I love Billy. Uh but they're just so dry. And they always... Even, even before I knew Who I felt this way. Because here, here's your formula for pretty much every Hard Null episode. You get a really strong first episode. And I feel like this, this one had a really strong first episode. You, you get introduced to like three or four different sets or locations. Then they lose access. To, at some point, they lose access to the TARDIS. And some of the ca- characters get captured. All that happens in the first episode. The rest of the story, the rest of the three to six to seven episodes... 12 or they have one seriously it's 12 episodes long anyway are dedicated to the characters running around basically separating the heroes reuniting them as they come up with flimsy reasons to run back and forth between these three to four sets which is the same thing as this was it was just continuous flimsy reasons to run back and forth between the same sets and it gets really hard to watch after a while and of all the examples of heart i would have to say this is one of the better ones
2: yeah, well sort I'm of sort of they, a backhanded compliment. Well, uh, if that's the case, then yeah, I think this was a uh this was a good idea. I I think it was a good idea to cover this one. In fact, uh if anyone wants to go watch this and you have Netflix, this is one of the I think this might be the only one of the uh Hartnell episodes that is uh, available to watch on yeah. Instant Watch on Netflix. So, uh yeah, overall general thoughts anyone else on the uh on the show as a whole?
0: Well, I do want to respond to what Tonya said. Is that Go ahead. that slow, methodical pace? That that was the pace of television at that time in in the, England. You know that that's how they did it. It wasn't. You know, we're so inured to it after many years of you know jittercam and the like, such that they forget that it that that, that this was. Over in the in the early sixties, the BBC had barely gotten out of the idea of television as illustrated radio, mm-hmm. and I and I think that this is indicative. Uh, and has I don't know it's it it's kind of sad that I I think it's kind of sad that they don't do more uh, historicals. I agree with that, you know, because it, it's uh, there are there's just, like, a lot of potential for. You know, lots of storytelling, just just hanging around in time.
1: If you like the concept of the historicals, and mm-hmm. I definitely do, I'm not trying and to badmouth yeah. all this stuff. Um, Big Finish Audio have done a number of really excellent historicals with the First Doctor and Second Doctor, and more than the First Doctor. What you do, what the, what it is obviously those actors are alive, so they have the companions come on there and sort of tell the story. Mm-hmm. as they're part of the action. And they're so good. Some of them have been some of the best episodes simply right. the historical aspect is great. Plus
0: there are a couple of historicals for the other Doctors. Um, oddly enough, one of my favorite of the of the big finish audios is uh, the comedic one where they drop Perry in as a you know in this kind of weird fusion of the three musketeers and the Prince and the pauper. Which one and is the, that? I'm trying to remember what the name. What the name? Actually, I could probably tell you in just a minute. He says as he goes over to his stack. I think it's a, it's a Peter Davison. Hmm. Uh, just bear with me, he says.
1: Sure. While you're doing that, there's an amazing one about um, that took place in Spain with Ian and and Susan. Call. I don't remember what it's. Um, the
0: it is. The Church and the Crown. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's. It is. It's a Peter Davison story, and it allows uh, Nicola Bryant to actually speak in her
1: real voice.
6: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Good on her. Good on her. Well, definitely. Just take some time if you're interested in this kind of thing. Go out to Big Finish. Look at uh, their Companion Chronicles and look for some of their historicals, and there's some that are just going to knock your socks off.
0: Well, oh, the, the Fires of Vulcan is another good one. The one, uh, it's an, a Seventh Doctor serial mm-hmm. that I I still contend is a partial inspiration for The Fires of Pompeii.
1: Oh, I'd agree with you, yeah. There's a little okay. bit of science fiction in that one, though. Yeah. With the TARDIS and all that, but I just, I, I, I'm talking about pure Hartnell-ish... Uh, um, Historicals. Anyway, we're probably boring everyone with our total nerdisms.
2: <laughs> no, that's what this show is all about. Well, if if anyone does, anyone have anything else before we wrap this all up? Oh well, I got? thought uh, – Dave,
6: did you want to uh, put on there what uh, Hope said?
2: Oh yeah, we actually Hope unfortunately wanted to be on this show, uh, but you know because of work and other you know pressing things, she wasn't able to make it. But she had something that she had to say, Dave.
3: Yeah, um, I think she just wanted to mention that the BBC has been doing a series all year which has been featuring the Doctors. Um, I haven't seen that, unfortunately. I'm, I'm not sure if it's being shown over here or if I just have no clue where it is. I think but it's just for BBC us ignorant America. American, Dave.
2: Yeah, it's, it's BBC. It's BBC <laughs> Americas doing like a, uh, every month they do a retrospective on each iteration of the Doctor and they started off with the William Hartner episode and they started off with this show.
3: Yeah, um, I think she just wanted to bring up that uh, they said it was the best Hartnell story, and it brought in a lot of Doctor Who firsts etc. So um, I don't know. Like I said, I haven't seen it. Has anyone else here been watching those? Mm-hmm.
1: No, I've watched some no. of them. Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen. I didn't watch the first Doctor one, but I watched the second Doctor, the eighth Doctor, some of those.
0: I do know that the 6th Doctor 1 is just 90 minutes of a blank screen.
1: <laughs> God
0: bless
2: it, them. It was vengeance on Varos or Varos. So, yes, they and they were they were actually very polite about talking about the 6th uh, Doctor. So it, it wasn't all doom and gloom, Thomas. So
1: you know, it's interesting when they did the 8th Doctor 1, Paul McGann wasn't there to be interviewed.
2: Really? Oh,
1: yep. They had Grace. They had Chang Lee. They had. Uh, they didn't have Eric Roberts. Either. Uh, they didn't have. Er- they didn't interview Eric Roberts or Paul McGann. Mm-hmm. And yet, Paul mm-hmm. McGann says he's done something for the 50th anniversary. What could it be? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll have mm-hmm. to find out. Hmm.
2: But yeah. Well, um, go ahead.
6: Well, I I just started to work on my Latoxel Dalek fan fiction, and my first uh, scene that I thought of was. Uh, Latoxel men- menacingly walking up to a Dalek with a cup in his hand, and the Dalek going, I do not like Coco. I do not like Coco. <laughs> uh...
1: It's going to win an Emmy, man. It's going to win an Emmy.
0: Too even. And to be- okay, I do want to say something about, uh, you know, I know we, we, we've ragged a bit on Susan, and Susan is kind of a crap character. But she actually got it a little better than Dodo did. Later on, where
1: the doctor just forgets about her, literally. To add insult to injury in expanded fiction, she died of, I think, an STD. So. <laughs> <out of> <laughs>
0: wow.
1: I to, I better look she's that
0: up. Like, she's the third junior female companion. Like the third one, right, Shaq?
1: I, I don't... Re- she, there's it's, Susan, it's somewhere there's Vicky,
0: there. and I think Dodo is next,
1: Right. Probably, yeah, Susan, Vicky. Yeah, Vicky comes Dodo, on right Dodo after Dodo Susan would leads. have been before um, Polly, so yeah, probably. Yes.
0: And, and so she's the third female companion. He, he passes her off as her secretary throughout her brief time. And then in, in an episode called The War Machines, which was kind of Kip Pedler's dry run for the Cybermen, trying to make them more dalek Uh, they literally... She gets possessed by the war machines. He drops her off at a hospital somewhere and off-screen says, oh, well, take good care of her. I'll come by later. And never speaks of her again.
2: So this is a pretty much common thing for this iteration of the Doctor, just dropping off companions on... He's a dick. (laughs) (laughs) He's a dick, but we love him for it.
0: I mean, in Uh... fact, I, I can see... Threads of Hartnell in Colin Baker, just like I see threads of uh, John Pertwee.
1: Oh, sorry, I have to back up. Uh, she did not die of an STD; she was just murdered by one of the Masters' agents after being suffering all kinds of psychiatric problems. So,
2: uh, is that a better way to go out? Right. <laughs> okay. Well, if we. You know, I, I, this wasn't an energetic episode, but uh, in the end, I really enjoyed it. And uh, as it is on available for watch on Netflix, to instant watch, definitely go check it out. It's it's very different from the modern Doctor Who, but it's if you can get through like the second and third episode, which are kind of, just yes, drag along. It's a good it's a good serial. I think you guys would enjoy it. So, yeah, go check out this episode of the Hartnell Doctor Who. Uh, do we have anything else we want to say before we go? kind of want some yeah. cocoa. <laughs> yeah, we're all going to go get some cocoa. Not together.
5: Yeah. <laughs> no, no, we don't want to be engaged right. to each other.
2: Otherwise, oh, God, if I were engaged to Shag.
1: <laughs> think so of our love a, children. Just think of it.
2: Th- oh, my.
5: <laughs> do it for the kids. Do it for uh, the kids.
2: There you go. I'll take,
6: I'll take Chris. Which one? <laughs> Me? Both of them. Yeah, sure. <laughs>
4: you can sponsor an episode of this or any other of your favorite two true freaks affiliated shows simply click the paypal link on our website donate any amount at all tell us which show you're choosing and what message if any you'd like us to read on your behalf and you will be an official sponsor of that show's very next episode with your message read in the show's opener. It's that easy and there is no minimum donation. Be a show sponsor today. If you shop at Amazon.com please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2 True Freaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2 True Freaks at the same time. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. (laughs) Visit our brand new website at 2TrueFreaks.com 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O-T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S Join our forum at ForumForGeeks.com where you can discuss all of the shows on our feed with us and your fellow listeners. You can find 2TrueFreaks on Facebook. Just search for... Two True Freaks And hey, you can friend me Scott Gardner on Facebook too My name is spelled S-C-O-T-T G-A-R-D-N-E-R You can friend me On Facebook too If you can find me Now available, Two True Freaks t-shirts See our website for details Two True Freaks is a very proud Member of the Comics Podcast Network You can check that out at www.comicspodcast.com where you can hear our new episodes when we put them up. We are also members of the League of Comic Book Podcasts. For more information, visit comicbooknoise.com league. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two, Two True, True Freaks! We were finally invited aboard one
5: of these spacecraft